The Hamlet Podcast, episode 181. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. As we left things last time, a warlike noise had interrupted Hamlet's final moments with Horatio. Right on cue for yet another poorly timed appearance, Osric returns. Most editors have him obey Hamlet's instructions to seek out the treachery afoot right after Gertrude's death, and now he reappears. He explains the source of the noise. Young Fortinbras, with conquest come from Poland, to the ambassadors of England gives this warlike volley. Everyone is showing up now, but it's all a little too late. Fortinbras has come in conquest from Poland. Evidently, he has been successful in getting that little patch of land that he went off to conquer. Also arriving are the ambassadors from England. A warlike volley of gunshots, cannon fire or drum beats all seem to be these forces' ways of acknowledging each other. The cavalry is arriving, as it were, but it's not enough to save Hamlet. He knows this himself and gives what really are his dying words to his friend. Oh, I die, Horatio. The potent poison quite o'ercrows my spirit. I cannot live to hear the news from England, but I do prophesy the election lights on Fortinbras. He has my dying voice, so tell him with the occurrence more and less which have solicited. The rest is silence. Hamlet knows he is dying, and he can feel the poison killing him. It is strong or potent, and he feels like it is gloating over him before he's even dead. It o'ercrows his spirit like a mocking bird. Hamlet cannot live to hear the news from England, It chiefly concerns Hamlet himself, since it was his final letter that the ambassadors delivered, not the one that Claudius sent. But they don't know that. Of more pressing concern is the Danish crown. We get only passing references to how the system works in this play, a sense that there's an election process involved in the choosing of Denmark's king. This would help to explain how Claudius could have become king after his brother's death instead of old Hamlet's son and presumed heir. Now that Claudius is dead, and Hamlet knows he's dying too, he anticipates that the election will light on Fortinbras. Even though he is a foreigner, Hamlet has shown his admiration for him throughout the play. Hamlet gives him his dying voice. He's trying to tell the assembled company that Fortinbras has his approval. Maybe Hamlet's breath is getting a little shorter now, or his thoughts are muddied, and so the next sentence isn't complete. He's insisting that Horatio explain everything that happened, the occurrence more and less, everything big or small. He's about to qualify that these occurrence have solicited, or led up to, or prompted something, but he stops himself or the poison stops him. But Shakespeare does allow him to complete his last line of verse, and it concludes with another of the play's most quoted phrases. The rest is silence. And so, after over a thousand lines, Hamlet dies. Horatio isn't a big role, 
but it is surely worth it for the chance to speak the two lines that follow, among, for my money, the most beautiful that Shakespeare ever wrote. Now cracks a noble heart. Good night, sweet prince, and flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. It was a common assumption that the tendons around the human heart cracked at the point of death, rather like the string of a harp bursting. The image appears in a more expansive way in Shakespeare's King John, and echoes even as late as Chekhov's Cherry Orchard. Horatio creates a very memorable image here, albeit one that is often misquoted. It's not songs of angels or choirs of angels, but flights of angels. In the very motion of these words, we get Horatio's hopeful sense that Hamlet's on his way to heaven. The pressing issue of advancing forces arriving means that Horatio doesn't get to be any more poetic than this. He has to focus the room's attention on the noise outside, and so he asks, Why does the drum come hither? As if in answer, the noise becomes a march and the doors open. In come Fortinbras, the English ambassadors, and whoever else is still available. Fortinbras is going to need at least a few soldiers by the end of this scene, so it is certainly worth making sure that there are bodies to help out. Fortinbras immediately commands the scene. He asks, where is this site? We can therefore assume that Osric or someone else in the castle has already told him that an awful scene awaits him. King, Queen, Prince and Laertes all dead. Horatio is now the highest ranking person and it's he that answers, completing his line of verse. So it goes, where is this site? What is it ye would see? If aught of woe or wonder, cease your search. Horatio is trying to spin the question back towards a bit of respect. There has been significant death here, and several of these deaths will have severe consequences for the future of this country. So he's saying if what you would see is a sight of tragedy and shock, woe and wonder, then yes, this is what you're looking for. You can cease your search. Fortinbras has now had time to survey the scene and he speaks again. This quarry cries on havoc. O oh, proud death, what feast is toward in thine eternal cell that thou so many princes at a shot so bloodily hast struck? Right up until the end, this play continues to lead me to new discoveries. Researching for this episode, I learned that havoc, which we now associate with chaos and general disorder, in fact derives from a French military term. When the cry of havoc was raised, it was a signal to pillage and destroy everything. Recently, Shakespeare had used it very memorably in Julius Caesar when he crafted the unforgettable line, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Fortinbras feels like he's arrived in the aftermath of such a bloodbath. He refers to the grim sight as quarry. This is a term usually applied to the pile of carcasses after a hunt. He's shocked at seeing so many corpses, and the bodies indeed, of very important people. He calls on death itself, asking, O oh, proud death, what feast is toward in thine eternal cell that thou so many princes at a shot so bloodily hast struck? 
Shakespeare often blurs the line between eternal and infernal. One, of course, means endless and the other refers to hell. It's a happy blend here, since the question that Fortinbras is asking is if there is some great feast or event in the afterlife, whether eternal or infernal, that needed extra guests, since death has bloodily struck down so many princes at the same time, presumably so that they could all attend. The ambassador likewise has to comment and joins in. The sight is dismal, and our affairs from England come too late. The ears are senseless that should give us hearing, to tell him his commandment is fulfilled, that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Where should we have our thanks? The ambassador is concerned, or maybe even a little embarrassed, that they have arrived too late. The person expecting their news is now dead. The ears are senseless that should give us hearing, to tell him his commandment is fulfilled, that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I have to confess that I find it hard to have any sympathy for these two, even now that they are gone. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern have been terrible friends, they aren't even reliable spies, and frankly they don't seem to succeed at any of the jobs they're given in the play. This might not merit a death sentence, of course, but it's almost satisfying to know that they get what's coming to them in the end. Interestingly, the ambassadors have no idea who to talk to. Where should we have our thanks? This isn't there to make them look silly, I don't think. It's a much bigger question. Because who is now in control? But, for the very last time, we will leave the question hanging in the air and save what follows for the next episode. Thank you, as always, for your company and for tuning in from wherever you are in the world. You can find show notes and the full text of the play, as well as all the bonus materials, extra episodes, and a full, ever-expanding glossary, which now includes Havoc, on the website, thehamletpodcast.com. While I do have a few more supplementary episodes lined up, next week's episode will be the last. We have reached the end of the play, and I do hope you'll tune in and join me as we cross the finish line. I'll speak to you then.